0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The second half of the Charger season is in full swing with plenty of high-profile matchups against teams in the division like the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chiefs. Plus, a lot of teams that are going to be coming to L.A., With a vengeance, like the Patriots and the Steelers, even if you're an away fan, you still want to see Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and all the guys come to your city. Maybe if you live in Philadelphia, or if you live in Ohio, or even if you're deep in enemy territory, perhaps at mile high. The Chargers will be coming to all of those places and more in the second half of the season, and this could end up being a historic Super Bowl run for this team. So, You don't want to miss a single second of it if you get a chance to go to one of these games. That's where TickPick comes in. They want to send you to all of these games. And the best part about TickPick is that they're very simple to use, and they don't want to give you those high-end fees that other ticketing sites will give you, plus some fees that come out of nowhere, frankly. So on top of that, they also want to give you $10 off your first ticketing purchase, how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to go to tickpick.com/charged. That's T I C K P I C K.com/charged to get $10 off of your first ticketing purchase. As fun as highlights are to watch on Twitter, there's nothing that beats the real experience. You want to say that you were there in person when Justin Herbert threw that ball to Mike Williams that ended the game on a game-winning touchdown or Derwin James getting a game-ending pick six. You want to be there for all of it because this team, this season is special. So again, go to tickpick.com slash charged, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash charged for $10 off of your first ticketing purchase, Bolt Up.
2: Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? My name is Steven. Welcome in to inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. Coming to you live after the Chargers take care of business against the Denver Broncos. Uh, I have a little bit of a lost voice after uh, the Rose Bowl yesterday, so uh, bear mm-hmm. with me. Happy to be here talking about uh, the Chargers and the Broncos game with my guys Tyler and Alex. Alex wearing his uh, lucky Philip Rivers jersey today, which is rather fitting. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. given what happened during the game. But Alex, how you doing, man? Uh, it is fitting. And, you know, Justin Herbert has passed Philip Rivers, so I wanted to wear this at the beginning of the show to give tribute to Philip Rivers. But you know what it has to be. It has to be Victory Pink, so just give me one second and i will make that work. <laughs>
0: Sounds
2: good. I love the commitment to the bit. Um, All Tyler right. Tyler is... Oh, and we're okay. back. All right. There we go. There's the Victory Pink. Yeah. <laughs> And okay, the Eagles well. won too, man. So, uh, Tyler is here as seven. well. And, uh, seven seeds, a couple of seven seeds. Um, Tyler, how are you doing, man? I'm great.
3: You know, in honor of this big fat victory, here's my big fat belly here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. <laughs> uh, no, I'm doing very well because the Chargers won today. So all's good.
2: Yeah, it was, a it was a fun weekend. Uh, you know, the Chargers or the, the Utes lost in the Rose Bowl, but it was an amazing game. Great atmosphere. Uh so no complaints there, you know, happy for that team and uh gonna be no prouder as an alumni Well, they had a they had a stupid punter drop a snap, which led to an Ohio State touchdown. But I mean the, the mm. Utah was playing a running back at corner, and Utah doesn't <laughs> switch they don't switch corner sides. They say you're the left side, you're the right side, deal with oh, it. Nice. And so that corner, uh the running back was matched up with uh I'm not, I can't even say his last name, but number 11 on Ohio State. So, uh, it was a a rough outing for that guy, but he was still playing running back, still playing special teams. So, uh, respect the hell out of his, uh, effort that he gave. It just, uh, they, they lost like six corners on the year to injury and Mm -hmm. death. But, you know, it was, was it's just a tough spot. But, uh, anyways, this is a Chargers podcast. (laughs) We'll talk about, uh, all that good stuff. We're also going to talk about, um, yeah, of course, uh, Britain Covey and Andre Roberts, two goats at a returning kick. So, we'll talk about Andre Roberts' uh, triumphant day as well. Um, well, we will be talking about the Chargers and Raiders matchup briefly at the end. Uh, of course, obviously, uh, a huge game which Tyler will and I will be at. So, um, let's dive right into uh, this matchup. The Chargers, of course, beating the Denver Broncos 34 to 13. They take back their playoff destiny after getting some help from the Los Angeles Rams and, of course, the Tennessee Titans. So, Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, big picture takeaway after watching that game in person today.
3: Honestly, I have to give them a real shout out on the show because I feel like we've been shitting them all year on them all year, and rightfully so. Congratulations to the special teams for showing up big in this game. But they've really improved steadily since the signing of Roberts and Hopkins and just kind of not really because they coached anyone. They just, you know, plugged those guys in and it worked. But, yeah, I mean, Andre Roberts is 74.3 yards per return his last three returns. Hopkins <laughs> has missed one field goal in 10 games with the Chargers, and I believe it was 50-plus. You know, the Broncos in this game had zero kickoff returns. Hopkins continues to be good at kickoff returns, uh, or touchbacks, I should say. Uh, there were Broncos fans behind me, praising Hopkins and his ability to, Hit every kick and you know touchback and everything. <laughs> there were fans around me after that first Andre Roberts uh, return, and there, you could hear everyone saying his name like oh Andre, 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 oh, Andre Roberts or whatever. And it's so cool to be sitting in the stands and hear people talking about how good the Chargers' special teams are. And granted, that's not perfect everywhere, but on the day the Chargers had a did a you know very good job on special teams. I hope they make the postseason because it's looking like. I don't want to say a strength, but they at least have two good weapons in Hopkins and Roberts that get the job done every single week. And I feel completely confident in them at this point to do their jobs fully and kudos to them. So I don't know if it's a big picture team thing, but I think it's very, very important. I mean, for the special teams to be coming on and then also now dominating and really picking up steam. I'm really happy.
2: Yeah. And as Thomas Martinez points out in the chat, you know, Keemon Hall has a great, uh, I don't want to say a forced fumble. It was definitely a boss yeah. uh, <laughs> return attempt, but he recovered the the, the fumble attempt and uh, made a great play that really swung the Chargers uh, some momentum. So, you know, that is a uh, really key play as well. And so I think you're spot on there in, in terms of Andre Roberts and Dustin Hopkins. And, you know, people, were, of course, were debating like, oh, is Andre Roberts like the best in-season acquisition? I, I don't know. I would have to go really look at the, that list of players but I would imagine the answer is yes. And I would imagine the, the second best ac- in-season acquisition is Dustin Hopkins. Like the two of them have really yeah. come in and stabilized the position. Um, Andre Roberts rightfully got a game ball after. And, you know, Brandon mm. Staley was pretty frank. Like he said that, you know, he taught a lot of the special teams players like how to be a professional, how to work as an mm. all-pro and and be that example. And <laughs> this is what we wanted from the beginning of the season, right? Like we wanted an actual returner not somebody that could just happen to go and do it. So um, I agree with you. Special teams played a huge role in this one.
1: Uh, I saw an analytics chart uh, today, by the way, that had KJ Hill fourth uh, ranked in uh, special teams decision-making. Uh, somehow he was <laughs> oh. high on that list, but Interesting. I didn't, didn't really have the speed to get anywhere, but <laughs> he was good at catching the ball and calling for fair catch, I guess, except he was bad at that, actually. Um, so... <laughs> Andre Roberts. uh, No, that was just crazy when he got to the 20 yard line. It was just like he's gone. And like Tyler, we were talking before the show, you just see Brandon McManus there. It's like, okay, here we go. That's the touchdown. And that was uh, just a really awesome house call. And that was sort of at a point in the game where the Chargers offense like sort of stalled a little bit. So it was like 20 to six. And I just... I, I didn't really feel like the Broncos were going to get back into the game, but that felt like the, you know, closer moment where it's just like, all right, you know, <laughs> we don't really have to watch the rest of this, but we're going to watch the rest of this because it's a victory lap at this point. Uh, so I was I was thrilled to see the Andre Roberts touchdown. Um, I was just thrilled to see everybody back. I mean, we talked about the, yeah. the loss of the Texans and uh, obviously COVID was no excuse as we talked about on the podcast for that, but. Uh, seeing Austin Eckler back and and picking up a couple clutch plays here and there, Uh, seeing Mike Williams back and and getting that touchdown. And I was sort of like, oh, where's Mike Williams been the whole game? And then he has (laughs) a big touchdown almost immediately after I tweet that. So um, that was fun. So uh, yeah, this was a game where really everyone came back, uh, you know, from the COVID list last week and it just felt like the team was kind of Back where they had, you know, finished after the Chiefs game, after the Giants game, uh, yeah, after the Bengals game, where it looked like this team was kind of for real. So I was happy to see that. Um, obviously, I think there's a little bit of like strength of competition here, where the Broncos had sure. pretty much everyone sure. out, uh, and we're playing Brett Ripien in the second corner of the game. Um, so there is some of that, but this was a really dominant, important win for the Chargers. They've lost this game before. Uh, when it comes to the Broncos at home or on the road. And division games uh, can always go either way. And so this was a really important one to get uh, going into next week. And, you know, this is kind of why I said, I think, last podcast, like, I don't really care what happens with the Ravens and, you know, uh, all these other teams that the Chargers now have to rely on. Uh, But for me, it was just win and you'll go from there. And right now they're in a win and you're in situation with the Raiders. Uh, so win that game and you go forward, uh, and so, you yeah, know, it was really nice to see their effort tonight, uh, tonight after last week.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. You mentioned all the players that came back, you know, Justin Jones had some really big impact plays, you know, Derwin James was healthy and clearly looked like it, uh, needs to work on his hands. As he, he said, after the game, you know, had an interception hit him right in the face, but, um, you know, all these players that came back were your know, huge boost and Andre Roberts and Dustin Hopkins were two of those players, you know? Um, I was definitely a little worried about the special teams operation this week, as it looked like we could potentially be looking at Tristan Viscaino and uh, Bo, I think his first name, I don't even know his last name, the, the new long snapper, and and so I was definitely worried about special teams, and so it was good to see all these guys come back and uh, make an impact. So, before I give mine, I want to give a shout out to uh, Tim Stewart, longtime supporter of the show, uh, able to tune in tonight for the first time, so thank you for the super chat as well as Tyler's mom, who is always very supportive in uh, that regard. So shout out to the Shoon family. Um, I think, you know, there could certainly be a world in which really like the biggest positive from today is Justin Herbert and his record setting performance. Of course, you know, breaking Philip Rivers' passing touchdown record. He needs 172 passing yards in the season finale against the Raiders to break Dan Fout's record for most passing yards in Chargers franchise history. So, you know, I was expecting like heading into today to really only be talking about Justin Herbert as like the positives, but this team played really, really well all around. You know, there was that little lull in the in like the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, where they couldn't really move the ball very much. You know, the teams were essentially trading three and outs, but you know, you get that Kemon Hall fumble recovery you get some field goals from Dustin Hopkins and really the team played complimentary football for the first time in like a very long time, arguably since like the Philadelphia game. And even then that's kind of a stretch for the defense. So I thought the defense played m- with much higher energy than last week. Uh, granted, that's not hard to do, but you know, you saw Justin Jones flying around, you saw Derwin James flying around, Joey Bosa made some good plays, you know, Asante Samuel jr. Had a couple of good pass breakups this year. Adderley, was playing with his hair on fire today which was awesome to see after having a couple uh rough weeks so i i think today is about the Chargers playing complementary football and really excelling in all three phases for like the first time in a really long time because even in the giants game you had some special teams errors uh tai long had a punt blocked if i'm not mistaken so um you know that's really what today is about for me you know the, the all three phases played excellent football today for the most part and you know it uh showed up in the box score for uh for the chargers as they get a 34 to 13 win over the broncos
3: yeah no, it was a nice win the game obviously comes down to justin herbert and i did i actually expected to be talking about him as either kind of like an eh or you know or maybe even bad i mean the last time we saw him play the broncos it just really wasn't pretty but in this game he played so much better but then also the team played well around him he didn't have to throw it as much i think he threw it 13 or 14 less times this game. Um, you know, It just felt like the team was there for him. And he also just put up a nice box score to win. Yeah. And, they, and they won big. I mean, it, it's so nice to watch this team work together. And as Alex talked about the guys coming back and like you talked about, Steven, just the energy being back. It was so nice to see the defense. They were having fun out there and it was, yeah. you when know, ball Joseph was up, you know, cause I see all the TV timeouts and everything and Linval Joseph is doing dances at every single <laughs> tv timeout which is the best thing ever and worst worth the price of admission alone you know he was having fun doing james out there having fun doing you know, joey Bosa is having fun and these guys are also getting you know and they're, they're having fun plays they're getting these you know tackles for minus four you know or sacks or whatever it was not in, in big moments i just don't remember the team having so many plays on the defense where they Generate you know negative yards for the offense because or for the opposing offense because of you know great play cycles for losses, sacks and stuff like that. So it was great to see them back. You know I'm hoping if this team makes the postseason, you know we can reshape the narrative around that Houston game as they needed a wake up call and maybe they did. You know they thought they could hang with the Chiefs, who are were or maybe are the best team in the AFC post Christmas kind of hangover sort of thing. And they dropped it. And you, you know, I think if they do make the playoffs, you can recontextualize that Houston loss as they really needed that to see. Hey, you know, we're not that good. We're not there yet. You were sure. a bad team last year. So go out there, perform well, have fun. Let's work together as a team. You know, and don't let Justin Herbert be the only good thing on the day, or Justin Jackson be the only good thing on the day. Go out there, show some heart, find some leaders. And I was happy to see that everybody came together. So that yeah, you're spot on. It was really nice to see. A nice three phases win heading into a game where they're going to need all of it.
1: Before I talk about the positive about the defense, I will never recontextualize the Houston loss. They <laughs> dropped me of three hours of my life. Um, but I will say the Chargers run defense, uh, very good with the return of sure. Justin Jones yeah. and Joey Bosa. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm bordering on doing Justin Jones as the best defensive tackle on the team take. Uh, I think we're nearing that point. Uh, I, I I thought he was really solid today with some good pass rushes. Uh, obviously, just clogged up the run game. I think Denver ended up averaging about three yards a carry, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, it seemed like they were having a little bit more luck with Melvin Gordon, but they locked Devontae Williams up today, um, and there was really no explosive play that I can remember from him, which is crazy, thinking about the uh, game that they played last month uh, against Denver. So, mm-hmm. uh, credit to the run defense. Uh, I thought the secondary played pretty well. Um except for one part of the secondary who I'll talk about in my duds. So I'll, I'll <laughs> save that for later. Yeah, but yeah. Der- Derwin had a two drop picks, I think. But, you know, other than that, they were really just kind of flying all around the field. Uh, I felt that the secondary, you yeah, know, did a really good job. Uh, Sante Samuel seemed like he had a good game. Uh, I did think the offsetting pass interferences was funny <laughs> with him. <laughs> and uh, was it Sutton? Or- Sutton yeah. yeah, Sutton earlier in the game. Uh, that was that was funny because they initially called it on Samuel and then actually looked at it and were like, no, he actually just pushed him down by the helmet <laughs> yeah. and then they called it offsetting, which was the right call. Um, but yeah, no, that was just a really fun game all around defensively. You could just tell that the energy is back. Uh, you you had Jerry Tillery with the classic uh, sack and a QB hit, two tackles for loss. Uh, so he was sort of back today. Yeah. Uh, I think Uchenna and Wosu got a kind of back and you know got a QB hit himself so it just felt like everyone was kind of operating on all cylinders and yeah no it was a really high energy just kind of performance from start to finish there was never really like a lull period for the defense um and right and mm-hmm. I think you could talk about that for the offense in the first half Absolutely but the defense just kind of kept it up all day and I would never think <laughs> in a million years that the Chargers would have two fourth and goal or no they had the one fourth and goal stop um mm-hmm. that um drew lock tried the philly special which was kind of funny um but yeah no i i just didn't think that they would play that well uh in the red zone even with the return of justin jones but to see kind of their back pinned up against the goal line like that and then able to make stands consistently that was really promising i think and it bodes well going forward both into the raiders game and any potential playoff games after that yeah, it was just, it was so nice to see them ahead of the six on defense for, you know, a
2: change mm-hmm. because even against the Chiefs, of course, you know, given all the injuries, but it it felt like the Chiefs and the Texans were living in third and manageable all day long in in those games. so. You get a couple, Jerry Tillery, a sack, a a tackle for loss. You get a Justin Jones, tackle for loss. Joey Bosa, tackle for loss. Kaiser White, tackles for loss. And this year, Adderley, tackle for loss. So Mm -hmm. the defense played fantastic. And that's what you have to do uh, against a team like this that wants to continue to run the ball. So, I mean, it's not like they, the Broncos stopped running. Like you saw in the second half, like they had four run plays, like all back, all consecutive run plays with Melvin Gordon. And then as soon as they started to pass, it's like, oh, shit, we can't do anything in the passing game. (laughs) And and so they, they clearly want him to keep running the ball. And so you have 10 carries 43 yards for Melvin Gordon, uh, a touchdown that was wiped away by an illegal formation, which was uh, pretty sweet to be honest, not to, uh, not because of Melvin Gordon, but just getting some uh, reverse juju from early in the season and touchdowns and illegal Mm -hmm. formations. But um, Javante Williams, you know, that was kind of my key matchup of the game. Uh, how they would try to contain Javante Williams, he had 30 yards on 14 carries. Uh, that's 2.1 yards per carry, and most importantly, he only had a long of seven yards. And so, really, like you know, going back to that first matchup, Javante had like three or four explosive runs and an explosive uh reception due to broken tackles. So, um, the run defense was fantastic today, and you know, outside of last week, it has been improving but i think this is probably their best performance uh of the last month or so given who they were playing and you know the fact that they wanted to keep running the ball so i agree alex i think the run defense was awesome and i don't hate justin jones as the best defensive tackle take i think that's probably fair limon joseph hasn't really been as impactful as he was to start the season Mm -hmm. um and we've seen the difference that the Having just Justin Jones and not yeah. Limbaugh Joseph makes versus the other way around. Like Limbaugh Joseph is not the same player when Justin Jones is off the field, whereas Justin Jones is independently disruptive and he doesn't need Limon Joseph next to him because we saw the Steelers game where Limbaugh Joseph was out and Justin Jones was still fantastic. So I, I I I agree with you there. I think Justin Jones is the best defensive tackle on the team.
3: Yeah, no, I, I can get behind that, and it's it's so tough because he's injured. Once a year, twice a year, four of the season, four, four games. So you you want to find some stability there, but you can't deny when he's on the field that he's very, very impactful. There was one drive where I I don't remember the last time I saw a defensive tackle make four or five truly impact plays just on one defensive drive. Yeah, Um, He played really, really well, and it's getting hard. I mean, we all saw it. We saw it in training camp. I saw it at the scrimmage. We saw it, you know, not in the preseason because he didn't play. We heard about it. We knew about it. He just needs to get on the field. When he's on the field, he just makes that defense so much better. You know, even Tillery's kind of looking good now. But I also think it just helps to have that rotation. Like it's not just you know yeah. Covington next to Tillery and, and Joseph or whatever. It's like okay, you have Jones, Joseph, Tillery, and you know I don't know how it works with interior defensive line. Look at me, I know I had fucking no idea. <laughs> you know, but I'm sure it's kind of like offensive line. There's communication, there's chemistry, there's synergy.
2: And we have three
3: guys that know what they're doing all next to each other, and you know also Bosa and Mosu. It just looks better, and then you have a fresh rotation where the backups come. You know you have Fajoco, Covington, Gaziano come in, and it's just a very nice rotation. And it looks great and perfect, perfect timing because the Raiders want to run the ball. That's kind of all they can really do at this point, unless Jacobs is going to be more hurt than we expect with his rib injury. He really did come back in, Um, and, and the last, the really the first good game the Chargers had this year against the run was that Raiders game, and against that Raiders in line that's not very good. So for them to be kind of, you know, everyone's healthy and together, knock on wood, cross your fingers. For them to be picking that up, heading into that matchup, it's probably the key matchup of the game, honestly. Looks pretty good.
1: Oh, Just as a question, it seemed like Braden Fajoco played more from what I saw on TV. I don't know if that was true or not. Uh, We haven't... Well, we haven't gotten snap counts. We haven't gotten snap counts, but Mm -hmm. it definitely felt like he played
2: more than the houston game yeah that sort of was comparing it to but at least early because i felt like in the second half when the game mm-hmm. was kind of out of reach they started rotating right a lot more like joe gaziano was playing a lot more coming mm-hmm. was still playing a lot so i think at least early felt like Bohoco was playing more than he had been previously
3: yeah i don't know i i'm curious to see what chris rumpf's injury was i don't know if anybody got any word on that because when Rumpf is out, yeah. Fajoko is the kick blocker on kickoff returns. So am excited to see how that goes.
2: So Rumpf did come back. Uh, Rumpf oh. did go back in the game. Um, I think so. He was injured on the kickoff. And then mm. I think like four or five plays later, he did go back in the game. Um, so in terms of injuries, um, we don't know a ton, obviously, right now. Uh, Corey Lindsley definitely mm-hmm. had a back injury. I'm nervous about that. You could definitely tell on the inside runs how much of a difference yeah. there is between Lindsley mm-hmm. and, and Scott Questenberry. And I like Scott Qu- Questenberry a lot as a backup, but um, and I think they generally could be okay next week with Questenberry starting. But um, if they have to play a playoff game without Lindsay, I'd be very, very nervous about uh, playing against you know potentially Chris Jones or Justin Simmons and all these great defensive tackles in the AFC without Corey Lindsay. So I hope he is okay. Brandon Staley said that his back tightened up. He seemed okay in the locker room, but that to me felt like a legitimate injury. It didn't feel like just like, oh, he's having a back spasm kind of thing. Um, But again, we have no idea. We'll see. Um, And then Keenan Allen was being looked at by the trainers late in the third quarter. I don't know if he went back in. Uh, I definitely do not remember a catch after that happened. Um, And I did not see anyone ask I did not see if anyone asked him after the game if he was feeling okay or not but um that definitely is something to monitor and I think that was pretty much it from an
1: injury standpoint
2: uh that happened during the game that was that was, those were the only three right
1: that's the only thing I can think of yeah well the the Lindsley one is concerning to me because they're yes. like, oh, it's generalized back pain, and then Brandon Staley will do his press conference tomorrow and be like, actually he had a spine removed, uh, and the- <laughs> yeah, <it's> Predator
3: style <laughs> <and his> spine <laughs> removal.
1: No, that man was in some serious pain
2: after it happened, because like, he was walking and you could tell he was just like you know, a back injury walk is very similar to like, you shit your pants walk, and he was just like in so much pain, so uh, hope he's okay.
3: Uh, is alex frozen on your screen uh yes nice well sweet <laughs> uh yeah i actually completely missed him even getting injured i didn't see him like did it was it on third down and then he walked off the field or
2: uh i believe it was a second down and then and then they uh they like stopped the time for a second and um because he mm. was like down down on the field and then they put in uh questionberries and, and they let him do a couple uh, snaps and stuff with Justin Herbert too. Oh, looks like we lost Alex. So uh, hopefully he uh, can join us back in a second here. But uh, Daniel in the chat, Lindsay can have my spine. I don't need it. I I respect it. I respect it. I love Corey Lindsay. I'm not giving him my spine, but uh, you know, I hope he's okay.
3: Yeah, we we can each give him one little piece of our spine yeah. to give like a whole spine, like a whole Corey Lindsay yeah. spine. He's not <laughs> yeah, that you, tall. We only need like twelve fans.
2: Yeah, you give him your L1. I'll give him my L2, yeah, exactly. et cetera, going down the list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, uh, I hope he's okay. So I, um, I know a couple of people were asking about Drew Tranquil. Uh, at this point, I'd be pretty surprised if he plays this week. I feel like Eamon Ogbong-Mumiga did okay in the run, and it, it felt like they had a, a much clearer plan for both players. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Neiman was the much more predominantly passing down linebacker. Eamon played mm-hmm. a lot more on first downs. And I feel like they did okay. Neiman had a couple good tackles in space. Eamon had a couple good plays. Uh I feel like they played okay. You know, as good as could be helped for uh in this situation.
3: Well, the I, I would have to watch it again. It's so hard for me to get a real feel. But yeah, you saw that rotation, it felt like a nice rotation. Yeah. What about Murray starting at inside linebacker if he were able to play? This oh my
2: week? gosh. That really have, like
3: Okay, because you have been probably the most cautious about this switch from Murray from inside linebacker to edge, and you've been, you know, frankly criticized or (laughs) subtweeted about certain things, and, you know, just want to let you have the floor on this one. How do you feel about that? If Murray was starting inside linebacker this game, how
2: would you have felt? Yeah, I, you know, we said a couple of weeks ago, I just, I I feel bad for Kenneth Murray at this point. You know, I, if he had not been on the COVID list and had a chance to practice, then Mm -hmm. sure, I I guess I would understand that. But, you know, for Brandon Staley to sit there and say, yeah, Murray hasn't practiced all week. He hasn't practiced (laughs) at inside (laughs) linebacker for a month. Yeah. And he's going to shift back to inside linebacker if Drew Tranquil can't play. It's like, what are we doing with Kenneth Murray? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just been so weirdly handled. You know, when they started to give him edge rush reps. Oh, yeah, we always viewed him as this hybrid inside linebacker edge player. You always viewed him as a Dante Hightower, and it's like, no, you didn't. Like we we all went to training camp. We never saw a training. We never saw a kid get set edge rusher. Like it just it has not made sense from the get go. And so, at this point, like as bad as it's been, like you either have to just stick with it at edge because that's where he's been practicing, or you give him practice time at linebacker. Like I, you could try the the hybrid thing and and give him some early down reps against the run as an inside linebacker, pass rush reps on, on obvious passing downs. But I don't know, man, like this, I just feel like they have mishandled this situation so poorly at every single step. And then for him to say, Oh yeah, it's Friday. Kenneth Murray hasn't practiced all week. He's on the list. If he does play, he's playing an inside linebacker and he's starting. It's like, what are we doing, man?
3: Yeah, that was I, I, I sort of got it, but then, yeah, the whole not practicing thing and him not playing inside linebacker since, I mean, what? I forget which game it was. It's been a, it's been a while. And, you know, and then him not being a full uh, inside linebacker since we. I think
2: the Vikings four. game was his last where he got snaps as an inside linebacker.
3: Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's the game he came back, and then it was kind of a hybrid sort of thing. Yeah. I just, yeah, like you said, I feel bad for him at this point and uh, even watching like nick neiman and a mom bamiga they can kind of at least like move up fill the hole and like even though even though ogbang bamiga missed the tackle on burkhead he was at least in a position to do sure. it and not seven yards backwards kind of like murray was doing against say the chiefs or whatever um yeah I, i'm i'm hoping i'm really really hoping that they just stick to something moving forward if it's inside linebacker Fine if tranquil can't go, okay. So, okay, if tranquil can't go next week and Murray is available, then what would you prefer? Would you prefer Murray there still, or do you want to keep him at edge for the year and see if things work? Or what would your preference be at that point?
2: Uh, looks like we got Alex back, but um, I I, my preference at this point is to just stay at edge. I, I think it's too much to ask a player to keep rotating mid season like this. You know, I, I think that's just really setting him, setting him up to fail. You know, oh, this week he's an inside linebacker. This week he's an edge player. You know, you can do that with a player like, you know, uh, Kyle Van Noy or somebody who's used to doing that. But mm-hmm. I think at this point Murray needs stability in his role and he should just stick at edge. I, I think that's really where i There's one game left on the regular season. Then playoffs, we'll see. I don't mm-hmm. know. It sounds like Kyler Fackrell is coming back, so... Maybe there isn't a spot for him at edge rusher, but I think this constant flip-flopping is is hurting him. And I think flipping him back to inside linebacker now because the edge rusher room is healthy is is just would just be another disservice to him. Alex, <laughs> welcome back.
1: Yeah, sorry, I had to give my old internet router the old one too. <laughs> so uh yeah, I'm back. Cool. Sounds good. So
2: again, uh, at this point I'm less critical of Kenneth Murray and, and more critical of how the coaching staff has handled him. Mm-hmm. Uh but let's get back to Talking about uh the players that did play in this game and have to give a shout out to Trey Pipkins again, you know, uh mm. made a spot start today at right tackle. Um, I felt like there were a couple times where Malik Reed uh or uh I don't even remember who else was playing in that game for Denver. They had so many people on the code with this, but I know there were a couple times where he got beat. But I felt like for mm. the most part he, he played pretty well again, and you know, this is two times in a row where he's At least played to the expectations of not wrecking the game. And that's a very solid step in the right direction for him.
3: Yeah. No, absolutely. We could have had a, you know, Parsons versus Norton nine pressure thing, you know, blank versus Kelamete 10 pressure sort of game, (laughs) um, which we saw last time, right? So for Hopkins to step in, again, I'm assuming it was kind of short notice and that, oh, by the way, you're a right tackle. I'm hoping they've been cross training him. Like, let's go left, let's go right a little bit because he is, I guess, their swing at that point. But you know, good for him. It's hard for me to tell this game in the stands, you know, how he fared. But you know, you saw you said that he had a good game against the Chiefs, only four pressures allowed or whatever it was. You know, maybe, maybe three or something. This game, that's great. Like that's totally fine. It's not. We've seen some like Trent Scott game record games or Storm Martin game record games. Pipkins hasn't had that game
2: record games.
3: Sam <laughs> game record games. Yeah, so Wait, let's go through the list, shall we? But, uh, no, it's nice to have Trey Pipkins. Look, I uh, he should not start at right tackle next year. He no, not start at, not. I'm telling you right now, unless he freaking zero pressures and 50 pancakes a game the next four games, and it leads them to the Super Bowl and he catches two touchdowns, he should not start at right tackle next year. But... Credit the staff for getting the for getting Pipkins, I think better because we were laughing at him, like laughing at him in that Ravens play where Calais Campbell threw him eight yards to the side (laughs) and into the tackle or whatever or whatever it was. I forget Uh it was crazy, but uh no, much better. I'll take it.
1: Yeah, I mean larger sample size still needed in terms of what his future with this team is, you know. I don't know. Um, but he played good enough today uh, and you know, didn't allow too many bad pressures, uh, at least from what I could see. Uh, and I think they also had the requisite resources to sort of be able to help him in the run game, right? Because Senio Calimente wasn't playing this game, you could pull Matt Filer over there and give, some, give him yeah. some help, right? Uh, and Trey Pipkins, I, I think, is a little bit better as a run blocker than he is as a pass blocker, generally speaking, anyway. Um, yep, so, definitely. yeah, no, I think that they he sort of helped them pound the rock a little bit today. Uh, and, yeah, have to give him some credit, have to give him some props, because that was not an easy spot to step into, especially because they have Corey Lindsley um exit very early in that game. And so, you know, it was looking like a little bit of a 2019, 2018 era lineup out there where you had uh Squat Quesenberry and you had uh, <laughs> Michael you had Michael Schofield and you yeah, had yeah. Uh, Trey Pipkins. Uh and you know it looked it looked good, you know, for the most part, even with all those uh considerations. So uh I, you know, would not like that going forward. And hopefully Corey Lindsley's yeah. back and hopefully Storm Norton. Um, is back as well but yeah i, I think that this was he, he's played two very serviceable games when you look at the, at the game against the chiefs and then this game too yeah absolutely and that really is like all that we're hoping
2: for out of these backups you know you step you come in and step in for a game um i was a little bit confused initially why they activated both tackles and then they chose trey pipkins but uh brandon said they said after that uh storm norton was still dealing with uh some covid symptoms and not feeling great and you know, that's totally understandable, uh, you know, given the circumstances that he was still kind of feeling sick. And so, um, you know, I think this kind of is adding to uh, the resume that Frank Smith and Sean Serrat are really putting together, you know, Tyler pointed this out. And, you know, this part of the coaching staff has done really fantastic work. And, you know, that really is The biggest criticism that I really ever had of Anthony Lynn is like, if you ever had an injury with the offensive line, the staff just did not have the bones to make anything work. And we saw that happen time and time again. You know, Brian Bulaga gets food poisoning and the entire game plan is completely thrown out the window against the Buffalo Bills because Trey Pipkins is starting at right tackle. And, and yeah, the Broncos injuries and COVID issues definitely played a role, but we saw Trey Pipkins in the preseason against backups and third stringers and practice squad players, and it was not pretty. So I think this shows a lot about Pipkins. I think this shows a lot about the staff more specifically, because they have shown the ability to put these players in good positions and and be able to game plan and, and allow them to play to their strengths, which I think was another big issue I always had with the offensive line. You know, they let. Damn Ted Grant's got all these guys on the islands so frequently, and it was just always such a disaster. So I think this is a big has been a big Frank Smith season, and he is the run game coordinator, and the run game has really come on over the last six weeks. And I think that's another feather in his cap. So we'll see. I haven't seen any like head coach or offensive coordinator hype yet. But if he continues this train and he does this next year again then I wouldn't expect Frank Smith to be on a different team in 2023, probably calling plays because he has put together a really solid Mm -hmm. resume with the chargers. And it's been fantastic to see, you know, that was something that I was kind of concerned about heading into the season because he was only a tight ends coach in other areas. He had never been an offensive line coach or he had, but not for a long time. And so uh, very quietly, Frank Smith might be the best assistant coach on this team uh, this season and going forward.
3: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. He's done a fantastic job. And you know, part of it's it was like, okay, you know, it's very easy. You sign Lindsley, you sign Filer, you draft Slater, you plug yeah. those guys in and you're good to go. But now, I mean, this team, largely on the, due to because of the run game and because of the linemen that are changing in and out, you know, the team's averaging like four touchdowns a game on offense the last four games yeah. because of the line, because of the run game. And you have Pipkins, you know, there, Pipkins on this side, we have Schofield, we have Lindsley, but then now it's Questenberry. Guys, moving in and out, and the, the offense, and particularly the run game, just continues to be good. I know the final numbers didn't look great today from an average standpoint from Eckler and Jackson, but I think it was better than it looked. Although we're, they're going to miss Lindsley, but I think I they agree, just had yeah. a lot of like second and three, third and one, you know, first and goal. So many of those situations that bring down that average. But I thought overall it looks pretty solid. So credit to him. I, I think him and then I think it's Kevin Coger, the tight ends coach, are yeah. really the two best position or assistant coaches on the team right now
1: yeah and also just uh it seemed like they played really clean football on the offensive line as well there weren't a lot of penalties like that I can remember because I remember last year like whenever Trey Pipkins came into a game or whenever a backup came into a game like there were a lot of communications issues that would result in some kind of uh false start or some kind of wild holding penalty because someone else didn't come right so Uh, I I thought that, you know, how clean they've looked and how they've been able to keep penalties down despite people, you know, coming in and out of the lineup. uh, I think that's very impressive for Frank Smith, certainly on his resume, like we've said. Yeah, so the Chargers only had three penalties on the day. Broncos also only had three penalties.
2: Um, So it was a relatively clean day in that regard. And and to uh, Tyler's point, Austin Eckler had 17 carries for 58 yards in the touchdown. Justin Jackson, 12 carries for 41 yards. Uh, They each managed to average 3.4 yards per carry. So um, Gabe Neighbors had a carry for two yards. The fullback dive, which uh, is always like so funny. Like anytime Gabe Neighbors comes in and they're close to the goal line, it's like, you know, they're just going to do a fullback dive. But I mean, they got two yards out of it. So and then Jalen Guyton had one carry for one yard. So uh, (laughs) the two yard carry from Neighbors and one yard carry from Jalen Guyton definitely Sorry about that. I uh, had the ESPN on, uh, looking at stats, but um, the game neighbors and and Jalen Guyton numbers definitely uh, dragged that average down.
3: Yeah, yeah. I know people were complaining about the the Guyton run. I think against the Bengals, I'm like, yeah, you know, the average looked good before that game, but then now you have that bad run, this bad run. I'm not saying it's all his fault
2: but maybe make roberts that part of your i know that's that's my thing i just want roberts in that role i yeah. I, I think we have i think roberts has earned uh, at least a five snap role on offense like sure you know just give me a couple of gadget plays and uh you know maybe a screen or two here or there like I, i'm I, I just wish that that guy could get a little bit more involved especially after they uh, returning that touchdown for to boost his team. So I just wanted to see Roberts get a little bit more involved.
1: Well, it's weird because they also have done it with Andre Roberts at times and it's been successful. And then they're like, no, we're going to go back to Jalen Guyton. I'm like, all right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, to credit Jalen Guyton, I mean, he's been great in the receiving game. Um, he's been great at doing what he's done. Stephen's talking about his improvement as a blocker as well. Uh, I just I just don't think these like end arounds and, and jet sweeps are, are really the way to get them involved when you have someone who again showed off his speed today in Madrid Roberts. Yeah, absolutely. Um Daniel wanting to know if we'll
2: finally be in the 20s in the special teams DVI rankings. It should be. It should be. Uh, I, I think getting a fumble recovery on the punt team should definitely bring that down. That really is the only unit that is has been bad recently. Um, And I think today they were actually really good on the punt team in general. So um, I think if that comes down to like 31st or 30th, we'll probably get up to like 28th. I don't know. We'll see. But it was a it was a great day for the special teams, which is uh, super weird.
3: Yeah, uh, they were so they were 30th heading into this game. I believe it was Jacksonville and Green Bay at 32nd and 31st. So, yeah. Denver's somewhere around there, right? Or they weren't that good? Were they 20 They were
2: 29th, yeah. Yeah, okay. So So they'll drop behind us, imagine. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Look at
3: us. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, I mentioned uh, my key matchup was Chargers special teams versus Broncos special teams. And what would be, you know, the special teams version of the toilet bowl, but you know, the Chargers really <laughs> showed up today. So, you know, uh, they're going to be moving up. Maybe we can get as high as like 27. It would be, it would be a step up. Yeah. And, uh, I know the kickoff return unit was, I think,
2: uh, I think I tweeted that was 16th specifically. I would imagine getting a touchdown w- will elevate that, uh, quite a few mm. spots and um i loved seeing uh gilbert's tweet that the press box was shaking when uh andre roberts was uh returning that kick because like we've all waited so long for <laughs> for yeah. the next darren sproles man it's like every other person like all right here here's the next Sproles. like here's the next good returner jacoby jones uh travis benjamin desmond king whoever and uh andre roberts providing the loudest moment of the stadium like that's that's awesome, man! I love to see it.
1: I mean, this is really a redemption story. Uh, three years ago, we were watching Andre Roberts run backwards into the end zone against the Patriots. Um, Travis and, Benjamin. And, uh, what did I say? How Travis dare Benjamin. you? Same thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's not Travis, the same thing. <laughs> Travis Benjamin walking backwards of the end zone. Now we get an Andre Roberts touchdown. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, just fun moment all around. And we really do have to build a statue uh, after yes. the chief's return and this return. Someone's got to ask him about it tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> we should DM some reporters to get into the press conference.
3: Yeah. I mean, we, in our compilation video of all the hilarious moments from the year, I was talking about how I think through four or five weeks, the charges did not have a long on kickoff return over 25 yards. Like they were under a <laughs> meal down. And so the fact that Roberts had two for 148 this game is awesome.
2: I remember at one point they were averaging like 19 yards per return.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was just like (laughs) you're losing six yards by not kneeling.
2: Yeah, they were they were last in yards per kickoff return by like two and a half yards, which is like so hard to do.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was almost intentional. Did you I don't know if the broadcast brought this up, but like um, Hopkins kickoffs, a couple of them or almost, not like a squid, but they were kind of low. And then uh, Long had a couple of punts that seemed low. I couldn't tell if they just, uh, mm. or if Ty Long sucks, or if it was like, a, <laughs> like an intentional thing, because there was a really bad, like low punt, but then yeah. the guy muffs it, and it works. Or there's another one where it was kind of low and in front of the returner, but it bounced, and then Justin Jackson made that great tackle. It almost seemed intentional, and I don't know if that's a film thing or what, but it happened a lot this game.
1: I, it didn't seem intentional, at least from what I was watching on TV. Um, Dustin Hopkins did do the intentional one last week against the Texans to try to conserve time. Yeah. Um. So I kind of know what that looks like, but I didn't see anything that looked like that in this game. Me neither. As for Ty Long, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's an interesting story going forward because we've been talking about how bad the punt blocking is, but the punt blocking was pretty okay this game. And yeah, and it's been getting better, I feel like. Yeah. And Ronaldo Hill has also talked about, uh, you know, how Ty Long's punting's been, and has apparently not been thrilled with it, um, and said that Ty Long hasn't been thrilled with his own punting. So that's definitely a story I think going forward potentially into the offseason, if there's going to be a, a bit of a punting competition in that respect. But yeah, no, it definitely was not a, a great day for for Ty Long, and and sort of as much as we talk about as it, a great day for special teams because. Uh, of what the kicker did and what the, you know, uh, return man did just never really came together for the punting unit. Um, and that's concerning, especially they have had some high profile punts blocked, um, this season, uh, most yeah. recently against the Steelers. Uh, so, uh, that, that is some, something I'm concerned about if the chargers do end up making the playoffs and even next week against Las Vegas. Yeah. This,
2: uh, <laughs> Seeing as many punts early as there were in this game was uh it was the first uh like 30 minutes of that game, man, it was just such a snooze fest. Like mm-hmm. Brooke, Brooke actually fell asleep when we were watching this game. Granted, <laughs> we stayed we didn't get back from the Rosewell until like midnight last night, and then we didn't get to sleep until like 1 a.m. Um But mm-hmm. man, the, the first 60 minutes after that first opening drive touchdown was was rough and so I, I was definitely getting nervous the more that they had to put trot Ty long out there um but you know the Kimon hall fumble really kind of swung the game in their favor and then from there on it was really just kind of a blowout so um shout out to kimon hole for uh getting that thing going so seriously are there,
3: a, a, everyone in the comment section is talking about matt i don't know how to say his last name i don't watch to i think football.
2: it's ariza or ariza 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 makes sense you talk playing him i should know but Um, I'm not drafting a punter. I'm I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) I value special teams, not enough to draft a special teamer. I'm just, I'm not there. I would like, if you're asking me if I would rather have Chris Rumpf and and Brennan Hymas or this punter, I'm, I'm taking the edge rusher and the offensive lineman. Like, I mean, they have 11 picks. If they want to use one in the seventh round, go for it, but I'm not spending a fourth round pick on a punter. Okay.
3: But what if he was from Utah?
1: I still oh, wouldn't Chris, do it, man. Steven would totally do it he just <laughs> from Utah. He's bullshitting. He he would 100 percent do it. Listen, man, uh
2: Mitchnowski was the best punter at Utah. Can we stop talking about season?
1: Utah? You talked about Utah for the first like five <laughs> minutes of this show. All right, let's let's move on the, Yeah, Tyler brought
2: it up, man. Not me. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
3: yeah, Eagles fan.
2: It's, seriously. I
1: haven't even talked about them this episode.
2: Okay. Well, uh, anyways, I'm not drafting a punter if he's even if he's not from Utah. It's not happening. I'm not spending a draft pick on a punter. Good to know. That's just my thoughts. Like, you never know. Like, could he be awesome? Sure. Roberto Aguayo was an amazing kicker in college and turned out to be the worst kicker in the NFL history. So, I'm just not drafting specialist. I'm not drafting a specialist um joe alexander shout out for the super chat he says tyler you're going to the raiders game so will i i will also be there uh and he said i, I was probably the one starting the andre t- chant today lol so uh shout out to oh. joe for starting an andre uh Roberts chant. Good for you
0: Someone- it must have
3: been somewhere completely different because i didn't hear an andre chant i just heard a lot of people being like oh andre oh here comes andre oh i got andre but it wasn't like oh andre oh, i didn't see any of that
1: Someone tweeted that they uh, apparently said build the statue in the stadium. Uh, Yes. When someone tweeted that at me. So I thought that was funny. But, uh, yeah.
3: No, Dakota Ringer is asking if we draft a punter and a kicker. No, we have a kicker, man. Dude's probably Uh, like 94% on the season now. He's probably top five in the NFL right now.
2: I'm 100% good with Hopkins for at least for next season. You know, We'll have to see. But uh, he's been fantastic.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, someone's asking about Asante Samuel Jr. Sorry, I hate to hijack the questions, but No, go for it. I'm a little concerned about the deep ball stuff. I feel like he's getting either beat burned or there's some sort of interference. Yeah, interference, yeah, and it's a little concerning at this point because I don't remember that being a huge problem for him in college. I remember watching like the Notre Dame game. There were, I think, three deep passes, and he broke up each of them, no problem. Uh, but it seems a little bit worrisome now. Intermediate short stuff, no problem. He's breaking up a pass every other play, but when it's deep, it's a little panicky right now. Granted, the other it was offsetting, and he kind of got thrown down. But again, last week he had the, I believe it was a pass interference play, a uh, penalty last week too.
2: Yeah, he had a pass interference last week. He got beat on a double move last week. Mm-hmm. Um, could be rust, I guess.
3: Yeah, that's true.
1: Maybe. I mean, Russ, but he's, I mean, also playing like Cortland Sutton. I mean, that was his primary matchup for the game. Like, that's never going to be easy. I mean, Sutton also has, you know, pretty physical height advantage over him. I mean, that, sure. that's going to be something that also just makes Asante look uh, a little bit worse in that regard. So I'm not too concerned about it heading into the playoffs. I mean, but he's also a rookie. Like, he, he's going to make rookie mistakes. Um, it's kind of how yeah. I look at it, also. And you have, NFL route runners that are running against him that are more experienced so I think there's going to be some of those moments uh, potentially next week and we'll see how far maybe they they get into the playoffs if at all Um, but yeah no I definitely think it's something to watch going forward but I I think it's sort of like the Steelers game for every play that he does get beat he's also going to have a play where he makes a really significant play on Claypool right or Mm -hmm. something like that so Um, we'll see what it is going forward, but, uh, I'm not too concerned yet.
2: Yeah. I feel like he's still working his way back, but you know, today there were, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there was one time where he, uh, came from out wide and he stepped into the hole on Javante Williams and he just, he sat him down, man. Like he made a great play on the ball. Like I think Kaiser white came and helped finish the job, but (laughs) I, I still, I think he's still working his way back a little bit. There's definitely some technique things going on. Um, the Courtland Sutton penalty thing was kind of hilarious because Sutton just like threw him down. (laughs) Um, so I was definitely pissed at that when they called him for PI at first. And then when they kind of canceled it, I was fine with it. But, um, he's not the, he's not the corner that I'm more concerned about right now. I know Alex is going to talk about the other guy, uh, in a second here, but I I think Asante is still kind of working his way back. But Michael Davis's performance is, is more concerning to me than Asante Samuel Jr.'s.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say on Asante, I think there was that play where Derwin brought down um, Albert O uh, right near the end zone, uh, and then I think he was also giving a lecture to Asante after that, so I think he did kind of miss a play there sure. um, that that he could have made on the ball, or at least missed his assignment, so that's definitely something to, to watch the tape and look back at, but in general, like I said, I'm not too concerned. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about something that I
2: was concerned about today. Uh, and that was Brandon Staley's game management. I know it did not cost Ooh, them. boy. Uh it did not cost them, but you know, him choosing to take the field goal points when it was fourth and one from the Broncos one uh is a concern for me. The way that he handled the timeouts on the last drive is a concern for me. I know again it did not cost him. The Chargers still got a touchdown on that uh drive, but You know, the way that he managed the end of that first half was uh, not very pretty today.
1: Yeah, um, and also there was the uh, fourth and goal situation. I mean, that was really tough for him to, like, take the field goal after being the proponent of the analytics and kind of real game situations. Like, I mean, that's the situation to go forward. Uh, Like, are you... Scared that <laughs> Brett Rippian and, you know, uh, Drew Locke are going to drive the ball down the field. So, you know, that will put you in a bad position? No. Right. And if anything, it puts them at the one yard line and then they end up punting, uh, you know, or no, they didn't end up punting. But they, they were in those deep situations anyway, most of the game. So uh, I, I'm not I, I didn't love Brandon Staley this game. Uh, to be honest, I haven't loved Brandon Staley in like a few weeks um, at this point, uh maybe since the Chiefs game. Uh, even then I thought there were some issues, but I felt like the team just kind of didn't have the energy against the Texans. And he also made some bad decisions against the Texans. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, it felt, it felt more, <laughs> this is actually a good comment. Fangio just kind of out sucked Stanley today. Um, and Fangio had some weird moments too, where he had like some bad challenges. Uh, granted he's, he, he was dealing with a lot of stuff on his team with all the COVID stuff, uh, and the yeah. quarterback situation. So I can't really say that there was too much um, that he could have done, but yeah, I, I'm concerned about Brandon Staley going into these, uh, into this last game uh, of the season, just because he just hasn't shown a lot of tact where I thought that he had some, um, particularly when it comes to managing those fourth down situations, uh, when it comes to you know the player personnel decisions that we've talked about kind of being weird throughout the season. Hasn't really mastered that. Then you have the whole Kenneth Murray at edge versus linebacker thing. So I think there are definitely some things to criticize Brandon Staley on. He's been fine overall for the season. But I am starting to have some thoughts about whether or not, I mean, obviously he's going to be the coach going forward. There's no no debate about that. But whether some of these moves will cost the Chargers potentially next game. Uh, and the rest of this season because um, it's been concerning to watch uh, the last month or so in terms of what they're going to decide to do on fourth down. Just the logic to me hasn't been consistent.
3: I'll be honest. I was, I, I, my phone was dead. So I had not have my phone all the entire game. So I wasn't talking to you guys for most of it. I opened the messenger app and I see that you guys were concerned about the, some of the situations. I actually was completely fine with the, at least the fourth and goal field goal. Would I prefer that he go for it when they're facing Patrick Mahomes, maybe even next week against Derek Carr and the Raiders? Totally. But the the Broncos up until that point were averaging 0.6 yards per play. And so, like, and you go up two scores, the, the Broncos had, I think, 31 yards up until that point. Your defense is playing well, they're swapping quarterbacks. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate that decision personally. I don't recall the events of like the end of the half other than them calling a timeout because they were trying to get him to jump or whatever it was. Um, but that fourth and goal, I don't mind. They were up 7-0. They could go up two scores. The Broncos were averaging 0. 0.6 yards per play. I didn't mind it all that much.
1: No, I... I no, no, I, I think that's fair. Like, and ultimately in the outcome of the game, it didn't matter because the Chargers were going to win by 20 points or 21 points, you know, it, regardless of how... Brandon Staley made decisions uh, really like in terms of what the outcome would have been. But I do think in games that have tighter margins, like not going on for that, that fourth and goal would have cost them. Right. Like, and again, I think that Staley has accounted for that by saying, well, that's the difference between playing Patrick Malms and uh, Brett Ripien <laughs> at that point in the game. Sure. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you're going to go for the kill shot that game, then I mean, it's a fourth and goal from the one, like you can just kind of punch it in here. Um, especially considering how the offensive line hadn't been playing to that point. So, you know, again, not the worst game in the world by any means. Uh, And I think the Chargers (laughs) winning by 21 points will, you know, overcome anything me and Steven will say about Brandon Staley, really. (laughs) Uh, But going forward in games that have tighter margins, those decisions would have concerned me today, I think is the general theme of what we were saying
2: yeah i just um i just want the decision making to be consistent there because if they were playing the chiefs then he one hundred percent goes for that. and you know leading up to that point it was a thirteen play drive. they were really moving the ball. they had been running the ball very effectively. Corey Lindsay was still in the game. and so I think when you're at the one yard line, you should be able to get one yard against the Broncos, you know essentially j v squad with all the injuries and stuff going on. so Again, it it didn't cost them the game. It, it's, yeah, and, it's, and
1: if not, even if you don't get it, you're starting the Broncos with a backup quarterback uh, at the one yard line, right? <laughs> regardless of which backup quarterback it ended up being. Uh, right. So you know, I yeah, I I didn't think that was consistent, like you said. Yeah, real like
2: uh, this is nitpicking the situation today for sure, and I'll admit that. Um, the timeout after trying, <laughs> so the Broncos take a timeout. The Chargers come out on fourth down and they try to get the Broncos offsides, and then they call a timeout again. That pissed me off more than kicking the field goal because at least they kick the field goal, they get points. But the fact that they assumed that they could get the Broncos to jump offsides after the Broncos take a timeout where everybody in that Broncos huddle is saying, hey, don't jump off sides, watch the ball. And then they take another, they waste the timeout. Like to me, <laughs> that was the thing that pissed me off of most of the day, uh, was seeing Brandon Staley waste that timeout. And again, nitpicking, they scored a touchdown on that drive. Uh, Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen was that one. But, um, you know, that, that, I just hate that kind of strategy that coaches do so often. And Staley's not the only one that does it. Um, but I just, it, it was, <laughs> it was not a, a fun thing to watch for me. All right. Uh, let's get into some studs and duds then, shall we? Yeah. All right. And then uh, after we do studs and duds, we'll spend some time talking about the playoff scenarios uh, and uh, and taking some questions if we have time. So, um, Alex, why don't you kick us off? Who is
1: your uh, stud of the day? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do the thing where we all pick someone different and then leave Justin Herbert, you know, to die. Uh, I, I have to go with Justin <laughs> Herbert here. I mean, he passed Philip Rivers for the single season touchdown record, which is just special. Um, I did not think that that would happen necessarily this year, even with the extra game. Um, given that defenses would sort of like be more prepared to play him. But Justin Herbert, you know, overcame all that. Um, I thought it was funny that Mike Williams threw, threw the ball into the crowd. Um, and I, I don't know if they'll they'll ever get that one back. Uh, but uh, no, that was just a, a really fun moment uh, where he breaks Rivers' record. Uh, and he had an awesome game. It started out a little bit shaky. I think he was like one for six with 10 yards, like, or, you know, near the end of the first quarter. But You could just see that he started to pick it up and they finally get that drive where, you know, he lasers that Keenan Allen uh, touchdown in. And it just felt like from there, uh, everything sort of began to pick up in the beginning of the second half. Uh, And then he hits Mike Williams right when you're about to ask, hey, where's Mike Williams? Uh, he, He was just really good, I think, at processing this game, especially after last week. Um, and it it gives you, you know, hope going into the Raiders game, especially given how the Raiders secondary is and how Gus Bradley likes to do his defensive matchups that he'll sort of be able to uh, have a field day with that one and and give us, you know, at least some kind of offensive shootout. Obviously, hope for a dominant Chargers win, but I think in that environment in Vegas, Justin Herbert gives you a really good chance to win, Uh, and I think we saw that today. So, yeah, no, I think you have to give Justin Herbert Start of the day for sure uh so yeah yeah i think there was uh, a world in which justin herbert
2: kind of struggles today and yeah uh you know our, yeah. our friend jason did an article today for lefb about herbert struggles versus two high safety looks and it, it felt like early early in the, oh, yeah. early early in the sure. second quarter that it was going to be a, a herbert struggle day but he you know rallied uh he steadied through the storm rallied and played yeah. really well i think that <laughs> Uh, yeah. that two minute drive really kind of jump started him, uh, right before the half with the touchdown.
1: Right. And also the fact that he got, uh, Patrick Sertan off Keenan Allen and was like, Hey, Nate Harrison, yep. here you go. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I that, that was really helpful too. Um, yeah. I would actually be curious to go back and watch. Cause I, I'd love to see, you know, the matchup between Keenan and Sertan today, because certainly in the first half, like it seemed like that was the matchup to watch, uh, between yeah. both of them. And that was really fun. Sertan, uh if I were a Broncos
2: show, Sertan would be the stud of the day because that man was <laughs> yeah. awesome today. Like uh he had the one break on the ball against Keenan Allen. He had the, the jump ball situation. Like Sertan is really, really good. And if you watch him play, like he's I don't think he's even a rookie. Like he's he's just mm-hmm. a legitimate top tier corner at this point.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, they gave him a couple of targets. It's, they didn't, like, avoid throwing it at him, but they just certainly didn't try to pick on him either. I mean, they're already treating him like he's a veteran pro bowl all-pro corner at this point, and he and he plays like it and acts like it, so I mm-hmm. know um, that's great. Herbert, yeah, I mean, we really could have been talking about him struggling today, and, you know, this is the defense. Granted, they're missing players, but this is the defense that should have given him problems uh, with, you know, you tell me that Pipkins is starting, and then Lindsley's out, Schofield, obviously. And he played really well. And, you know, I'll get to some Joe Lombardi stuff in a second. But I think Shane Day, Lombardi, Staley, and Herbert all deserve credit for getting him to look like a much different quarterback, even from last week, but particularly from the last time they played the Broncos. I mean, yeah, you know, they lean on the run game a little bit more. I think they ran it 30-something times with everyone not named Herbert. 13 less passes on the day. But Herbert just went through his progressions well. I think the pocket presence was really solid. And it's not like he was, you know, perfect, you know, and there were some drop balls, but, you know, he just, it looked like he was moving and on the move better than he was before. Like last time he played the Broncos, some of it through no fault of his own. You know, there was that batted pass. He took a self sack. There was the bad interception in the end zone. And there was nothing like that. It was just a very clean game. He played like a very good quarterback, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Couldn't really tell you if there's an interceptable ball or not or a turnover-worthy play? I don't think so. I think he ran when he needed to. I think he was good Mm -hmm. with his legs. Credit the team, the coaching staff, and Herbert for really getting him, you know, the difference between where he was then, granted, with, I think, a more healthy Broncos team, versus now. That's a big difference, and especially against Comfort 2.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Herbert played a really good game. I'm curious to see what kind of the EPA numbers are, and, and really, you know, some of the more advanced stats, but you know, the earlier Denver game was uh, his worst graded pro football focus performance mm-hmm. of the season, and so to have him bounce back like this, I think, was uh, a super key thing. So, uh, Tyler, who's your stud of the day?
3: I – well, okay. Fine, I'll take the obvious one. Andre Roberts. I would have said Darius Swinton. I think that's part of it, but – Sure. But I th- you know, I think Andre Roberts was just kind of tailor-made. Just, they just dropped into their laps, and he's amazing. He's prop- – like, I think he was – fourth or fifth in kickoff return average since joining the chargers i imagine that's got goes up today after 148 yards on two returns yeah and then a 75 yard return you know against the chiefs two weeks prior it just looks different there was a point i'm I'm so happy he was running towards our end zone yeah when he went to his right and was at the 20 and you saw the way everything was setting up I, i looked at i think it was my mom and said he's scoring and then he cuts it back and then you just like who's the last guy there and you see it's the white dude it's the kicker and you're like yes and he <laughs> flies past everybody and scores it's just different and everyone was excited the stadium was excited people know his name the the players were you know giving him high fives and jumping on him it's just different the chargers haven't had that since their playoff run in 2018 and if he continues to be a spark like that you know start at the 40 start at the 30 get a touchdown just, just so much more dangerous of an offense. I'm so thankful he joined the team, that they picked him up, that it's working well. He's my start of the day.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, when the Chargers were 4-1, and one, they were asking Justin Herbert, and they still asked Justin Herbert to do a lot, right? But, you know, you could tell that, you know, eventually this team is going to need some more help, whether that be, you know, through the running game, through better field position, whatever. You know, you can't keep asking your second-year quarterback to drive 90 yards, 90, 85 yards, 80 yards every single drive. So um, adding Andre Roberts was a no-brainer, and it has vastly exceeded expectations. He's been a fantastic addition, and I think, you know, giving some Darius Winton some love uh is, you know, an okay thing to do at this point because every single special teams unit, except for punt, uh, has really steadily improved since they uh, got actual special teams players in the building. So I think that's totally fair. Um I think my set of the day, uh, you know, you guys took kind of the the two layups. I'm going to take the other one, which is Derwin James. You know, his return was much needed today. I think we can all see the difference on the team when he is on the field versus not. But he had some insane plays today. I know he dropped. Well, I don't know if the, the first interception he could have had it qualifies as a drop or not. But he had to work his way over from quite a bit and showing off his range there. He had a, uh, a tackle on Albert O in in space that was really insane. He had a couple pressures as, as a blitzer. Uh, thoroughly disagree with the roughing the passer call today against him and Justin Jones. I think the Justin Jones one is, is worse for the record. Um, but I thought Derwin was fantastic, and I think the team needed his energy. And you could tell that there was just – there was just something different about Derwin today. Like he really wanted this defense to prove a point. And I think they made that point. And so Derwin means so much to this team. He is the emotional leader. He is the best player on the defense. And I think mm-hmm. today really showed how valuable he is to this team. And I think, you know, this is, I can't wait to see him this week. I, I hope that Darren Waller plays in this game. Cause I want to see Derwin against Darren mm-hmm. Waller some more because we haven't really seen, Derwin against the tight end all that much because he was hurt in the Kansas city game. So, uh, Derwin played awesome today. Really excited to see him uh, this week and against Darren Waller potentially.
3: Oh God. He was so good. It was so much fun watching Derwin James out there. There's just something different. And I don't, I've, I've, seen plenty of games this year. I've been to plenty of games, but for whatever reason, he's just out there and he's got this like giant shoulder look like he's just bigger you know, I think Nate Tice was talking about how he loves watching the Ciro you know, you, You'll turn on the film of these two guys. And the Ciro is there, pro athlete, second round pick. And then next to him is Derwin James. And he's like, he looks like he's two feet taller, 50 pounds more muscle. Not really, but he's just built different and he's emotional. Yeah. And when he tackles, he finishes. I mean, there are some plays. It's like wrestling. Like if you told me Derwin James, I never wrestled. I don't fucking know. But if you told me that he <laughs> took Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or wrestling in the offseason or something, to train to become a better tackler, I believe you, because when his hands sure. are on a guy, they're just done. They're, just, they're on the ground. It's over. And it's not like that for most of the other defensive backs. You know, Nasir plays some great tackles today, but there's just something different when Derwin James is on the field. As a run, a run blitz, pass rusher, in coverage, there's nothing he can't do. He is, yeah, I like Joey Boso a lot. Derwin James is, I don't want to say by far, but he might be by far the best defensive player on that team. And it also shows up in his heart.
1: Yeah, um, I think early on in that game, Derwin had the two uh, dropped interceptions, and I, I just felt so happy seeing Derwin on the field and the fact that he had <laughs> those two pass deflections that I was like, I would watch 100,000 Derwin dropped interceptions over one Trey Marshall rep. Uh, that That's how I felt. Just seeing him back, fully healthy, um, it, it was good to see him back. Uh, it, I, I mean, and I think they sort of, like, Not that they necessarily needed him today, because I think that given the Broncos situation, they probably win this game without him still. Um, But it it was just crucial to kind of see him back, especially going into next week where you might be facing Darren Waller. And if you're not facing Darren Waller, still a lot of uh, Raiders targets and you got to shut him down in the run game, right? Derwin's one of those reasons. I think that run defense was much better today, in addition to Justin Jones and Joey Bosa being back as well. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean, he is. I don't, I mean, I think you can make an argument between him and Bosa being the best player in the defense, but as far as who's the most impactful, I think it's probably Derwin James.
2: Yeah, absolutely agree there. Um, all right, I'll start with the duds of the day. I think for me, it is the Chargers pass rush. Um, Arjun sent the numbers earlier, I think he said uh, nine total pressures from the team. And given the fact that they were ahead of the chain so frequently, uh, I was surprised that they were not able to get after Drew Locke more often. Um, I didn't feel like they hit him all that much, um, at least when it came to like legitimate hits. Of course, you have the two roughing the passer penalties, which probably would have helped. Um, but I felt like this should have been a game where they were able to flex their muscles as a pass rusher. Chenan gets one pressure, Bosa credited with two. Um, Derwin James credited with one. So I I think the pass rusher was a little underwhelming today, especially given the fact that uh, Bobby Massey's, uh, their starting right tackle was not playing. They lost Dalton Reisner on like the third play of the game. Um, So you had two young, poor pass blocking guards in Atani Muti and Quinn Miners. And I felt like that should have been an advantage for the Chargers. They had the one sack from Jerry Tillery, um, which was... (laughs) Probably the best of his career. Uh, Was an amazing rep by Jerry Tillery. Um, But outside of that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of movement and pressure from this defensive line when it came to you know the pass rush. So, uh, Dud of the day is is definitely the pass rushers for me.
1: Yeah, um, I think you can look at the pass rushers and definitely Chen and Wosu. We we sort of went into that Texans game and was like, oh, here's the part where he earns the money. Don't know if he's really earned the money yet. (laughs) Um, So that's definitely... Two bad games for him back to back. When we're talking about the pass rushers, yeah. Was not pretty today. Was definitely expecting more, especially because of all the guys the Broncos have on the COVID list. And then they had Reisner leave in the middle of the game. Um, So I, I definitely did expect some more. Uh, my debt of the game has to go to Michael Davis. Um, and I've been holding off on being like we're experiencing mm-hmm. Michael Davis regression for a while just because last year was so good, like, he was someone that was able to keep up. You know, I mean, that that Bills game is just classic. Like, he was able to keep up with Stefan Diggs the whole game and shut him down, uh, really shut him out of the entire game. And there's just been a total lack of like ball skills turning his head around Um, uh, there was one play where Corlin Sutton just like snatched his ankles and had him (laughs) roll like he was a beyblade on the ground or something like it it was just it was really terrible Um, and it's it's a thing where he's like he's getting into the right positions in terms of defense but then like he just the plays on the ball like he's not turning his head around it's a lot of what we saw with 2017 and 2018 Michael Davis unfortunately so um i'm not really willing to call last year like a fluke or anything because uh, i mean when you have that sample size like you know I, i think that speaks to the quality of your year but whether it's been because he's been out for games with injuries or because he was out with covid last week uh it just doesn't really feel like he's grasping being cb1 in this defense uh at least in comparison to last year so i think my dud of the game has to go to michael davis I don't know what they're going to do in the off season. No idea, but I I'm at the point where I just don't think you can move forward with Michael Davis as your CB one. Uh, I'm I'm willing to go that far that whether it's a cornerback in the first round, whether it's someone you sign in a free agency, I think Michael Davis just kind of has to be CB two at this point, which which stinks, um, but. The, the lack of instincts that we're seeing so far uh, this season, particularly over the back half. Um, and, and it's concerning because he was playing well this season. When you look at that chiefs game and you look at the Raiders game um, and how he was covering someone like Darren Waller, like he was responsible for the chargers partially winning that game, but there's just been so much regression in the second half of the season. Um, and, and he is looking a lot like early-stage Michael Davis. So that's my big concern yeah. with this game. So, yeah, that of the day.
3: It's a real shame because to start the year, and I think for some Rams fans let me hear this, for the most part, Michael Davis' stats, stats, not the film, and Jalen Ramsey's stats were actually very similar, aside from the fact that Michael Davis was not getting his hands on the football, and that not only continues to be an issue now, But now the stats are gone, and now he's just getting beat as well. (laughs) And, And so it's really unfortunate. It feels like there are a number of players, Chargers players, who are really good to start the year and have fallen off because of an injury that they've returned from. I don't know if that's the case, but it feels like it. Mike Williams, great three games, gets hurt, has not really been the same, not even the same role. Drew Tranquil against the Raiders, blitzing like crazy, pretty good player. Um, we wanted him over Murray, and he deserved it. He was great. Return Injury, COVID, probably hasn't been the same. Uh, Michael Davis, I kind of feel, is the same way. He, against the Raiders, shut down Darren Waller. There was not a target, or there might have been target, not a single catch while covering Darren Waller for the handful of whatever snaps that he did. Shut him down. And I have no faith in him doing that uh, in a week. I don't know what's happened. You know, I think it was was it, was it a quad injury. I don't recall what the injury was. I think was. a hamstring. Hamstring injury. No. It just hasn't been quite the same. And and maybe that's still the case. But like you said, you've been holding off. And I think we all have too, because it's like, okay, he had a hamstring, those are tricky, you know, give him a few games, but now it's been a few games. And it's, you know, Drew Lock and Ripian and it just it's not and davis mills i mean this is not looking good
1: right it for for me it's also just that like it's not it's not that he's losing because oh well he's a step slow because of his athleticism or he's like getting beat off the ball because like that was kind of the point i felt like casey hayward was at last year for example where he had just sustained these injuries and you know he obviously has been playing Uh, a lot better this year but uh, last year i think recovering from those injuries he was just in a tough position because to me he's not really like getting beat or getting burnt in a lot of ways he's just not making good plays on the ball when he's in position to right like and it's the decision making like it, you know, and while he's trying to go for the pick, it's like, well, if you just punch the ball, like then you, you'll deflect it, <laughs> like, you know, so I feel like he's yeah. just at a position where he's like trying to do too much. And that processing has unfortunately gone to 2017 levels. If he was getting beat more often instead of like losing, I guess, at the point of the catch, I would definitely get the injury thing more as well as the COVID stuff. Um, but yeah, it just it just has not looked crisp. No, I,
2: I think that's uh, definitely, you know, an unfortunate thing because I think the cornerback the uh, discourse is going to be interesting in this offseason because I think, you know, ideally you hope that Davis is your is a high-end CB2 in terms of, like, lead-wide performance. Um, I really like Asante Samuel Jr. I, I, I don't think he could ever really get to, like, a truly elite level as a CB1 in the league. So I, I think they have two really solid corners potentially next year once Davis is healthier, Asante Samuel Jr. healthier, and has a full season to develop – a full offseason off to develop, excuse me. So it's just going to be interesting because they haven't really shown any proponents to playing Asante in the slot. Chris Harris presumably and hopefully not on the team next year. So they'll need a slot cornerback, but I, I'm still – I would not be opposed to drafting a cornerback in round one to potentially – be that CB like true CB1 on the outside because I do think that Staley's defense I mean every defense requires a CB1 right like it's the freaking NFL but I think specifically with the scheme versatility that Staley wants to play with he does require somebody to be able to be left on an island all game uh, as he's had with you know uh, Kyle Fuller in Chicago and you know whoever <laughs> every single corner in Denver and of course Jalen Ramsey last year with the Rams so it is going to be an interesting thing uh, for sure. Tyler, did you give a dud of the day? Uh,
3: no, my dud of the day is kind of odd. It's a mild thing, and it only happened once because they only had one opportunity. But to me, it's the play calls to work out of your own end zone or wherever they were, like the two or something. You know, after the neighbors dive, which is fine, like everyone does their fullback dive thing to get a couple of yards. But I, I turned to my dad and I was like, "Hey, you know, they're going to run a you know bootleg." to the right and throw to the tight end and if they don't get the first down they're going to hand it off to austin eckler and fail and sure like literally they did that and, it's, and, I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm not saying that like oh i watch all the film i know everything but the fact that i could sit there and go that's exactly what they're going to do and then they did it is a problem because they, they every time on second down sometimes they're done. They try to get herbert to the right out of that end zone let him extend the play throw it to mm-hmm. the right and then against the broncos they did this last time on third down and short, they handed it to Austin Eckler and didn't get it. It did the exact same thing this game again, and that's frustrating. And sometimes it works, right, against the Eagles. They drove from wherever all the way down the field, and then they didn't score. But I'm starting to notice that – and again, I don't know what the league average is. I don't know how often teams are successful going from out of their own end zone and either scoring or at least getting past the 25 or something. But it's kind of concerning now that I, get, I can sit there and go, they're going to do this, and they did it two plays in a row. Like it's it shouldn't be that. Expand your package a little bit more. Now maybe not having part expand having your package. <laughs> nah, that's a lame one. That's not very good. Even I'm not laughing at that one. Um, <laughs> but no part no cook. You know, Pipkin, Schofield, Questenberry. You know, maybe that kind of limits what you can do. But um, hopefully, they grow their package moving forward.
2: there you go there you go um tyler or alex is tyler's audio off a little bit to you uh a little but we'll talk about it later (laughs) okay i I just wanted to make sure i wasn't i was not the only one um but yeah I, i think that specific sequence was was not a pretty one um, everybody was, of course, everybody was hating on Joe Lombardi during the game. And...
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it's funny. Uh, you, that specific sequence, I just saw people on Twitter be like, fire Lombardi. <laughs> it's like, guys, if you don't watch the last three weeks, like we're firing him after one play. Like, uh, you know, I, the yeah. offensive coordinator stuff is funny. Uh, but yeah, no, that. That stuff definitely wasn't pretty, and it felt like until the late second quarter when they got that drive uh, right before the half to, to put to go up 17-0, uh, it felt like the offense was just not running quite as well before then. Um, but, you know, I definitely thought they got it back uh, in time later in the third quarter. started running pretty well, uh, and the pass game just worked uh, the way it was supposed to. Yeah. I just...
2: The play-calling discourse on twitter is exhausting because it's like as soon as people see a play call that they don't like it's like the the fire lombardi chorus comes out and roves and it's like (laughs) are, are we serious like you can't just be like oh like i i hated that call fire the offensive coordinator as uh drew points out the offense is top three in the league in pretty much every metric so um, yeah,
1: um, I I am thankful that Stephen runs the Twitter account because I do not have the <laughs> mental fortitude to handle eight thousand of you guys talking about Joe Lombardi on a play-to-play basis.
2: I am I'm happy to uh, wear that badge. I will continue to <laughs> push the patience button when it comes to a first-time offensive coordinator. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, I think Lombardi was fine. There were definitely some play calls that I think that he would agree that he would have back and i think you know i would take them back as well um with the neighbors these it's like it's not working um tyler are you good well i mean you
3: can hear me but it's not the it's my
2: can't do computer audio now oh okay well uh we'll figure it out next time so yeah, um before we uh wrap it up uh today The Chargers uh, thankfully got their playoff destiny back in their hands today after the Miami Dolphins and Baltimore Ravens lost. Uh, You know, my guy Tyler Huntley played okay, but Matthew Stafford uh, was able to help us out, as was uh, the Tennessee Titans who completely destroyed the uh, Miami Dolphins today. So uh, Chargers entered the game with with their playoff destinies in their own hands. Uh, oh, looks like we lost Tyler for a second. Uh, assume he's going to be resetting his audio, hopefully uh, coming back soon. So uh, Chargers enter the day with their playoff de- destinies back in their hands. They, of course, take care of business uh, against the Broncos. And now uh, the playoff path is, is very, very simple. They win on uh, potentially Sunday, potentially Saturday. We don't really know yet. Uh, but you beat the Raiders this weekend and you are in. Uh, it seems most likely that the Chargers would be the seven seed uh, if they do beat the Las Vegas Raiders, unless the uh, Colts, I think they play the Jaguars this week. If I'm not mistaken, they play somebody really easy this week.
1: It's the Jags. Okay, so uh,
2: the Colts, <laughs> barring a shocking, shocking loss from the Colts, if the Chargers win, they will be the 7th seed, and it seems like it's trending towards the fact that they would be playing in Kansas City with the uh rematch for the chiefs in the wild card round. So, uh, again, pretty simple path. If they lose to the raiders, they are completely out uh because even if the colts lost to the jaguars, they would still be in ahead of the chargers due to conference record. Um but the if the raiders when they could potentially move up to the 5 seed, believe it or not, uh according to 5 three, 8 So, again, pretty simple. Beat the raiders, you're in and most likely 7 seed this weekend.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I it's weird uh, that they're in this. Well, not weird, because I think this was the expected way for it to go, uh, given that if you just predicted the Miami game and predicted uh, the Ravens game for the favorites to win, then this was what was going to happen. But the fact that they got both of Uh, the events they needed to happen, you know, to go into next week, just needing to win is really good. Um, I was getting concerned with that Ravens uh, Rams game Mm. for a little bit uh, because Stafford was Mm -hmm. not playing well, but you know, Odell Beckham saved us a little bit uh, and eliminated (laughs) the Browns at the same time. Uh, So I, you know, Odell did us a little bit of a favor, then we eliminated the Browns for him. Uh, So I think it worked, it worked itself out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, I, I, I think, no, this, this is what the scenario that everybody wanted. Uh, I'm sure that that game is 100% getting flexed to Saturday night or Sunday night football. Uh, and so, great. Uh, more late-night East Coast podcasts. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited for what is going to be, you know, the biggest Chargers game in a while uh, to, you know, really determine kind of, where we stand on with the future of this team. Obviously the future is still very good regardless of the outcome, but um, I, I think this is a high priority game for this team. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Um, and I'm also happy that it's just decisive. It's just winning your in and losing your out. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not yeah. just like, oh, well, if they lose, but then the Ravens lose and then this happens, like, you know, okay, let's, yeah, you know, no more bullshit anymore. No more playoff picture, just winning your in. <laughs> um, yeah, couldn't have asked for it any better.
3: Yeah, thankfully, uh, Stephen and I bought our tickets weeks ago when it was what $160 for our yeah. seats, <laughs> and now it's $400 for the cheapest seats. So I'm, I'm happy that worked out. Boy, the Rams and Matthew Stafford did everything they could to give us a mini heart attack. You know, they there was the interception or the pick six, and then another interception. Things weren't looking good, they were down 13 0 at one point. It's like, oh no, it kind of reminded me of I think 2017. Where the chargers needed the ravens to win and the Bengals upset them and then the bills went to the postseason instead it almost felt like that like someone was going to get the upset Chargers yeah. weren't going to make it oh crap now we wouldn't be in this position if you beat the texans but oh well but um i'm ready i'm, I'm totally ready for this rematch i i'm so i'm so so excited to be going to that game next week i think both we and and my dad honestly because my parents are going too we all thought we we're going to a kind of a useless game where we could sit our starters Raiders have nothing and it turns out it's everything so this is the most important game of my chargers fandom lifetime since two weeks ago
2: <laughs> this is definitely the most important chargers readers game in a very very long time because mm-hmm. you know three weeks ago when we bought our tickets uh you know i'm not going to say that the chargers could have been resting starters but It definitely felt like the Raiders would have had nothing to play for and would have essentially had their season over. I kept on waiting and waiting and waiting for the Raiders season to be over. Granted, COVID took out the entire Browns team, which really kind of helped keep their season alive. But, uh, you know, the Raiders deserve a lot of credit for going into Indianapolis today and winning a game that they really had no business winning. Um, You know, the Colts have been really rolling recently. Um, and they're, you know, they've been dubbed the, you know, most dangerous team in the AFC, not named the Kansas city chiefs. So, uh, the Raiders deserve a lot of credit for going in there and winning that game. This is going to be a huge matchup. And like I said, I think this is easily the most important, most drama filled chargers and Raiders game in a very long time.
1: Thanks to uh, Carson Wentz for stabbing me in the back one more time uh, after I picked him in the game picks. It was only a matter of time that you continued to pick Carson Wentz that he
2: just, it just bit you in the ass. And it, it really sucked because you picked the Colts and Tyler picked, well, Tyler picked the Dolphins and they lost, which was good. But in terms of like our picks picks, like the one that we have a, a Jersey riding on, you know, you pick the Colts, Tyler picks the Dolphins and they both lose, which uh, now
1: now I have to root for Baker Mayfield tomorrow to win, so then Steven <laughs> is one and two, and then I'm one and two. we both have terrible weeks, so we're even next week. But uh, yeah, and well, I hate Ben Roethlisberger, too. so I, maybe I just won't watch it because I hate both. Of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I uh, that's that's gonna be a fun game to definitely determine the picks, but no, uh, going forward with this Chargers Raiders game, uh, it's definitely the biggest chargers game in a while. Uh, and yeah, no, I'm just excited to see what day they schedule it for, which they're probably not even going to tell us until tomorrow. Uh, after the Monday night football game, I'm sure they'll release the final schedule. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the, so, uh, like Alex is saying, they this is
2: obviously a game that's going to be high profile. Um, it seems like a lot of media members are hoping that it's the Sunday night football game. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see Ty and I will be there no matter what time it is it's just a matter of if I have to cancel my flight and eat the $300 price tag and then end up driving or not, but uh we'll be there, we'll be loud I, I kind of lost my voice from the Rose Bowl I expect to fully do the same thing next Sunday but I, I can't wait man, this is going to be a super fun game, it's going to be a fun matchup what's up Alex?
1: No, I was just going to say I would just assume that the two primetime games, one on Saturday, one on Sunday one is going to be chargers raiders and the other ones probably rams niners at this point uh i think Mm -hmm. that's a fair assumption so we'll see which day is scheduled for for which um worth pointing out the rams game is uh at sofi and the chargers game is on the road so we'll see how they kind of decide to schedule that well you also have the cowboys and eagles and that's not obviously as impactful
2: for Clinch playoff country, spot maybe but... <laughs> but i mean given the league's nfc east bias i would not be surprised if that were one of the primetime slots either so there's some other high profile games it's just a matter of the order as long as the as long as the chargers and raiders game is not the early saturday afternoon game i will be happy anything else is is at least manageable for me uh if they play saturday afternoon i'm gonna have to probably <laughs> <laughs> leave my house at like 4 a.m in my car so literally anything else except for the 1 p.m kick please
3: well yeah I- i'm thankfully only driving and i didn't pick a flight <laughs> i i hope that they don't move that i i don't want to go to a saturday afternoon game who wants yeah. to do that like Sunday afternoon's okay it's acceptable why saturday afternoon i'm, I'm gonna leave again like you said saturday at four get there get to the hotel check-in or I probably wouldn't even be able to check in at that point. Check-ins at three. So yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I'll just show up to the game in my car. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but hey, I, I can't wait to be there. People have already asked me or messaging me on Twitter saying, Hey, I want to go to this game. now. I really want to be at this game. Now yeah. it's $300 for the cheapest ticket. A, you can talk about your ticket sponsor, uh, but <laughs> uh, you know, I people go, people should go. You yeah. guys need to go. The Chargers, I think we'll make the postseason next Saturday or Sunday. Don't want to jinx it. I feel good about it. And I think the Chargers can make it. And if when that stadium clears, I hope we all stay, if they win, and celebrate with each other, you know, find, you know, everybody go to the 50 yard line or something and everyone gather around. And it's gonna be really fun. Please, please go. I wanna to try to get as many Chargers fans there as I can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I know that there is a diehard bowl club, uh Vegas. Crowd, so I I know that there's a good amount of uh chargers fans in Vegas, you know. Um, so I I hope that there's a good amount of powder blue there. You know, we've seen um a lot of opposing fans kind of travel to Las Vegas, and I think chargers fans should be you know right there with. And this is again, this is such an important game for the chargers, you know, because this is it's a tone setting franchise setting kind of performance you win you're in the playoffs and then who knows what can happen we've already seen if you're playing the chiefs in the first round we've already seen what can happen against the chiefs so you never really know what happens once you get into the playoffs so um we'll be there if the game sticks on sunday we will be going to some kind of meetup on saturday night tyler and i will be um i don't really know where that is happening i'll have to talk to some of the diehard bull club guys to see where we're going but um we will definitely keep everybody posted but again I know tickets are a little pricey. I'm very glad that Tyler and I pounced <laughs> on the Pat McAfee show. That's got to be fake, right? Yeah, that's got to be fake. Um, I know. That- <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He's here.
2: <laughs> um, But, yeah, I know tickets are pricey right now, but, pl- like, you guys got to go, man. Like, if you can make things work, then you got to make it happen. So I think this is uh, definitely one of the, you know, must-do opportunities of the season. You know, uh, as Thomas pointed out, I got to go to the Rose Bowl uh, earlier yesterday. I, Looking back, I wish I had gone to the conference championship game uh, of Utah. Sorry, Alex. I talked about Utah again. But again, you know, this is just one of those things. You know, Chargers could, could clinch a playoff berth. I think this is a must-see game. There are some people I know that are going to Vegas and then just, like, hanging out during the game and not at the stadium. Just buy tickets. Go to the game. Do what you have to do. Uh, if you want a $10 discount, you can <laughs> use our link at TickPick. But uh, again, you know, what's $10 when you're spending $350 on a ticket?
3: I will give you, uh, I'll buy some Guilty as podcast stickers and that, that you can go. If You go to the game, I'll give you a sticker. If that's worth it, if that changes <laughs> your mind.
1: I don't know if the if the ten dollar discount isn't making a difference. Why is the sticker making a difference? <laughs> Alex, <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> okay.
2: Um, but yeah. So uh, of course, if you do attend the game, uh, come and say hi to Tyler and I. We will we'll definitely be there. Um. All right, we've been talking for over an hour and a half now, so we'll we'll wrap it up. Uh, we'll do some questions on another time on another show um but uh Alex final thoughts of the day before we head out and then Tyler after that.
1: Uh yeah, no I mean everything the Chargers wanted to happen happened today. Uh they're very fortunate after the Texans game that we're not talking about that as the mortem on the season and doing draft talk today. Um because that that could have happened, but uh no, I am I'm very happy that the Chargers won today uh and sort of bounced back from what was a poor effort last week and you know really Like Steven said, um, the first game that they played complimentary football in a while uh, just had really both, uh, all three, you know, phases of the game just kind of cohesive and playing well. So I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, And yeah, do or die. Season on the line. Uh, I'm very happy for, you know, this situation to play out in the way that it did. Uh, And I hope we beat the Raiders next week. Uh, You know, it's it's kind of... uh, It's kind of poetic because the Raiders fans are the reason that victory pink started. So it would be nice to see uh, them being the final win of the season uh, prior to the playoffs. Yeah. So
3: I've, I've I've mentioned many times on the show, my mom is a therapist and both my dad and I will be there. One of us is going to be (laughs) sitting on a bench crying and the other one's going to be partying (laughs) and celebrating. It's probably going to be me. But uh, it's going to be a rough one next week. But I'm, I'm really, really excited to go and be there and see it. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, even if even if the season ends next week, they did win more games this year. And Justin Herbert just broke Phillip River's single-season passing record. You know, this, this team is on the move, on the rise. But they have a chance to make it next week. And I'm just so excited that we're here and not talking about a loss and not talking about the draft. Don't care about that really right now. It's all about the win next week. Win in your win, control your own destiny. I love it. It's great. It's so much fun.
2: Yeah, you can't ask for anything more than that in the first year of a coaching staff. The, the opportunity to have uh, a your own playoff destiny in your hands, win a game, and you are in the playoffs. You know that is just you know everything you want for as as a first year. Obviously, you wish you could win the division and be a have a first round buy, but in, in terms of realistic expectations, you know this is. Such a fantastic opportunity for this team, uh, as Justin Herbert always likes to say. So uh, I was nervous about this game today. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think COVID definitely helped the Chargers out for once. Uh, The Broncos were strongly impacted. But, um, you know, I I still was not exactly super confident that the Chargers would take care of business in this kind of fashion. Uh, And they did. You know, so many guys contributed to this win. Um, you know, of course we talked about studs of the day, but you got great contributions from, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of different people in this one, a lot of different guys made plays. And so, um, very balanced, very, uh, coordinated approach from this team. And I think this is really kind of indicative of where they were at. Um, I hope that the Texans also was a wake up call. Like Tyler was saying, they end the season strong this weekend with a, a two game winning streak back to back, uh, and they get into a playoff. So. Uh, we will have tons of content for you guys this week uh, as we prepare for uh, this upcoming matchup. We'll have an interview, of course. We'll have Chargers analytics with Arjun. Uh, can't wait to hear you know his kind of uh, analysis of this game and preview for the Raiders. Uh, and then we'll of course go live on uh, Thursday, like we always do uh, with our full preview. So again, stay tuned for all of that. If you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, please leave us a rating or review. We always appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube now or uh, watching the replay later, uh, leave us a comment, like the video, and of course, subscribe and turn those notifications on. Again, we always appreciate all your guys' support, and that's going to do it for us. We'll see you guys next time.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.